Hey everyone, it's Tom. Welcome back. Spoke with Tasha Blackman, the CEO of Cherry Health, and she shared that this pandemic has really been a masterclass in endurance, which I love that concept, I think, for all of us, frankly. She had a lot of great things to say about leadership and how it's really not any one thing, but it's a series of skills that you have to learn over time with great intentionality from being more self-aware, tapping into your own default success strategies, you know, what's the grit and self-confidence and self-care and courage that you need, and how do you apply those in different situations? She ties together the Nike Just Do It campaign with this idea that your future is behind you in a really interesting way, I think. She clearly loves her work and the passion just comes oozing through her, which is such an infectious and wonderful leadership trait, I think. And finally, I just want to thank all of you for joining us in the podcast. It's such a gift to be able to do this and to have so many wonderful folks out there like you listening. Tasha, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's great to see you again and um, looking forward to to today's conversation. Um, You know, I know you've been in the CEO role there now for about three years, and I'm sure it's been a fast three years, especially when you sprinkle a little pandemic in there. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe talk about those those three years and, and how has it been for you as a leader? You know, so I was fortunate actually to to participate in executive coaching with P3, with you all, um, particularly with with Brad for several years before uh, becoming CEO. But I think one of the things that I learned about myself um, in that process is I learned my default success strategy and I learned how to leverage that for for my benefit, just as a leader, not even thinking about the CEO role or or anything like that, but also how to tame that down um, when when I started to overuse it. So I think I developed a level of self-awareness during the executive coaching process that was helpful to me um, as I, you know, approached uh, this, this opportunity of being CEO. So Previously, about, I'm going to say, seven or eight years ago, um, the former CEO said to me, hey, where do you see yourself uh, in the next five to seven years? And I said, you know, I love Cherry Health, born and raised in the community, love the work that we do. I feel connected um, to this work because my personal values are in close alignment with the the mission, vision, and values of the organization. So I see myself here. And he said, you know, I'm I'm really thinking that you're going to take the baton and and lead this organization into the future. And I was like, oh, hold up a minute. I'm not, I didn't say anything about that. Um, But but I appreciate your confidence in me, but, you know, I'm not sure about that. So over the course of several years, we kind of worked on that. Again, I, I would say that performance, uh, Phoenix Performance Partners had definitely um, a role in that. But I also think that my former CEO really gave me the opportunity to walk alongside him, have 
training wheels, uh, if you will, where I, I really led the organization with him kind of off to the side for, um, for at least a year and a half. And then he retired and, you know, I jumped into the role. So I, I know that I'm fortunate in that I, I had that tutelage um, under Chris Shea, um, as well as support from other leaders uh, in the area. But I think that you don't know what you're getting into until you're in the chair, <laughs> you know? And people tell you that it's lonely and that, you know, your life is gonna change and, and all of these things. And I can tell you that it's all true. <laughs> you know, I, I think that one of the things that, that I've learned over the last three years is the importance of having a network of like-minded folks that share a similar experience, whether they're a CEO or whether they're in leadership at all. Because I think there's a common thread through all leaders, no matter what level um, you're at. And, you know, we're, we're normal people just like anyone else. Um, but I think what, what we have is a heightened level of responsibility um, placed on our shoulders and just the emotional tax that that costs, I think, um, really colors our experience uh, differently maybe than some others. But that's why I think it's important to try to maintain those ties with, with people that have walked uh, the same journey that, that you are walking. So um, over my, my first year, you know, it was great. We were gonna, you know, I, I revised the strategic plan and created a document, strategic thinking in 30 seconds or less. And, you know, the, the team loved it. We, we added a, a fourth aim to our, our plan and, you know, things were great. Year two, you know, I started to identify uh, maybe some individuals who weren't performing at the level that I would have, have preferred. And, you know, we started to work on those expectations and accountability and, and all of those things. And then year three hit and it was the pandemic. Year three was the pandemic. So, you know, it, it has been a journey, especially as a newer CEO kind of navigating through this time where there's no playbook. You know, you literally have to trust your gut with some of the decisions that you're making and, and trust that you know, those decisions will carry the organization into the future. And there were some decisions that I made within the first, I'm going to say, 48 hours of knowing that the pandemic was going to be um, a challenge that even my leadership team were like, I'm not sure that this is the right decision. And, you know, we, we support you because we trust you, but we're not really sure. And the truth is those decisions that were made very quickly in the beginning set the stage for us to be in an even better position today than we were in before the pandemic began. So, you know, part of what I've learned during this time is, you know, you can, you can have coaching, you can have, you know, other leaders and mentors and sponsors that um, support you. But at the end of the day, you've got to have that self-confidence. You've got to have that grit, I think, is, is what I've learned during this time, 
is the importance of grit. Now I've always, I feel like I've always had grit, but grit was on display every single second of the last year and a half, every second of the last year and a half. And, you know, I, I also understand the pressures that people um, have faced over the last three years. I mean, I, I had colleagues that had heart attacks and that are struggling with, with significant medical conditions as a result of the emotional toll that this takes. So I think also balancing that grit with great self-care, I think has been um, very helpful for me. My husband and I, we, we started taking walks like in the evening um, and these are like 50 minutes to maybe hour and 10 minutes where it is not even about exercise or weight loss. It's about just clearing our mind, de-stressing and, you know, having kind of that time to connect because at one point COVID was every conversation in my life, like every conversation was COVID and I just needed that time to not talk about COVID. So I, I would say I've, I've learned a lot about grit and self-care during this time. Mm. That's, uh, that's awesome. I was just, uh, just had Lenora Hardy Foster on this podcast a few months ago, and she talked about that same thing of taking walks with her husband at night has been a real gift around self-care and how you really have to take care of yourself if you're going to take care of others. Yeah, I tell my team, you know, you have to put your oxygen mask on first before you help the person next to you. And we're, we're accustomed to hearing that when you're on a plane, but that is to me, a metaphor for life. You gotta take care of yourself before you're any good for the people that you're responsible for. Mm -hmm. Well, there's, there's so many lessons in what you said there initially, Tasha, from grit to, to self-care, to self-confidence, to, you know, this whole idea of trusting your gut and, um, being more and more and more self-aware and, you know, that as a leader, I think it's not one thing, you know, the, these articles that are out on LinkedIn or Twitter that say, here's the top two things or top three things you need to do to be a leader. Well, the reality is no, there's not, there's not one or two things as no. a, especially as a CEO, you got to get really good at lots of things. Um, yeah. and I think all of those are, you know, different of different importance on different days. You know, they all ebb and flow, frankly, based on what you're, what you're approaching, what you're tackling that day. Um, but, but you did start with this whole idea of, of being more self-aware. Yes. Um, and for those of you who are listening, who don't know the, the default success strategy is the way that we think about um, kind of your unconscious behaviors. So if, if people have taken Myers-Briggs or DISC, we have our own system. We call the the insight coaching system, um, which we're actually changing the name to the elevate system. It's a much more comprehensive approach now. Mm -hmm. And core to that is this idea of default success strategy that we all default to things that are great. They're tremendous strengths. They're all tremendous, tremendous strengths and they work great until they don't, which is <laughs> what, what Tasha was talking about. So Tasha, could you talk a little bit more about how valuable, not, not necessarily the default success strategies, but but this idea of being more self-aware and how valuable that is as a, a CEO and as a leader. Yeah, you know, I think self-awareness is important to have just as an individual in general. I think it's important to be self-aware as someone who follows a leader, 
um, as well as someone who leads. And, you know, I always say to, to my children that, you know, I want them to, to live the lives that they want. Like there's no preconceived ideas about who they should be or, or what they should go into as, at, you know, for their profession. But, you know, I really want them to, to find their passion and then, you know, pursue their passion. And I think that, you know, if, if everyone could be a doctor or a lawyer or all of those things, we'd all be doctors and lawyers. But there are other things in life that, you know, I think that that draw at our, our hearts and sometimes we choose those other things. So, you know, I think self-awareness hopefully uh, starts as kids are, are growing up, that they become more aware of their surroundings. They become more aware of how they interact with their surroundings. They become more aware of how those in their environment interact with them. They become more um, connected to how they receive and, and give information. They become more aware of how they're perceived um, in situations, how they handle stress. And we've all heard the saying that, you know, how you handle a situation is even more important than the situation itself, you know, because that truly determines uh, the outcome. So I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned about myself is that, and I, I thank God actually for this gift that I'm able to process emotion very quickly. I don't slap a Band-Aid on it. I really do process it quickly. And I didn't realize that that was a gift um, until probably five years ago, and I'm able to release it. But, you know, I think the fact that I'm able to do that helps me to be even more self-aware about the things that I need to still work on, about the things that you know, that maybe that I do that irritate my team or, you know, that creates really more of an authentic space for all of us to function in. So by me being more self-aware, I think that that self-awareness kind of projects um, among my entire team. And we're a, a team full of very authentic people. I mean, they can pretty much tell me whatever they need to tell me and, um, you know, good or bad. And I, I think that that, that level of self-awareness or self-authorship, um, which is something that I've read about recently, it, it helps you to um, create a more, again, authentic connection with yourself first. Because I, I think once you've got that connection within yourself, you know your strengths, your weaknesses, and all of those things, you can then be honest about those with your team, which to your earlier point, um, it kind of underscores the fact that there's nothing mystical or magical about Tasha Blackman, CEO. I face the same struggles that, you know, many of you face. You know, I, I face the same challenges, the imposter syndrome, all of those things that uh, most leaders face. I think the, the difference is I just don't give up. Like I, I'm the kind of person I will push through. Um, 
and I'll, I'll push through no matter how hard it hurts, no matter how long it takes. Um, so I, I think that that endurance is, is part of the, if you want to call it magic, I, I think endurance is, is the key. Hmm. I love that. It's, um, and it's, it's missing, I think, especially in today's society where it's, it's much easier to blame the outside world. And what I hear and what you're saying is you're taking 100% responsibility for your life. And no matter what challenges you face as a, as a leader, as a, you know, a, a female leader, as a black, you know, CEO, as whatever, that you're, you just keep going, you're, you're relentless and sort of your drive and you're not gonna let anything get in your way. Um, and then the, the other thing I heard in that was, was, um, you know, that you, you're able to process emotions, I think you said, and, mm-hmm. and dissipate it or, or, or handle it. Um, mm-hmm. So that, I think that's such a valuable, and it is a skill. It's a, I would argue it's a learned skill. You may, you may sort of be slightly better at it naturally, but anyone can learn that skill. So what advice would you give to, to maybe young leaders out there or people who want to be a CEO someday about how, how do they do that? How do they uh, one, become aware of their emotions, and then two, how do they how do they handle those in a, in a productive way? Yeah, so for me, I mean, I think emotional intelligence. First, you have to know where you where you stand in your emotional intelligence. So I would recommend that anyone who um, you know even is interested in knowing, you know, how do you how 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 do you experience the world around you? And how does your emotional um, adeptness really help you or hurt you, um, you know, as you, as you experience the world? And I think having that baseline measurement to understand kind of where you fall on the emotional intelligence spectrum uh, is really important. And then you can, you can identify those areas where maybe you're not as strong. And then you can actively kind of work on those areas. Now, the first time I took the um, emotional intelligence assessment, I mean, the the person that actually facilitated the process for me was just like, oh my God, I can't believe believe that that was your score. In fact, the, the, um, the first training that we had with Brad, when he, he, you know, did several assessments, he actually said multiple times, I can't believe that that's your score. Well, when I was a child, kind of going back to um, the 70s, my grandmother always said, like, you've been here before. You're an old soul, <laughs> you know? And I think that that level of intuitiveness is something that I've just had. And, and again, I she would always say that, and you don't connect to things that are said to you until you're you're older, but I I do think that some of that intuition can be taught. Um, I think that, you know, you, you gotta be able to have your rear view mirrors kind of aligned. And I think being able to see behind you and being able to see in front of you is a skill that you can learn. Because I, I, I think that if I could simplify what it is, it's that point is really having that peripheral in that forward view that, you know, again, you, you can learn to do that. But it, I think that it also takes time and intentionality 
to, to learn that. Somebody once said, I was listening to a speaker and he said, your future is behind you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, like, I really want to think through that. What does that, what does that mean? And, you know, it, it was incredible because when you think about even when you're driving a car and the future, so you're looking in your rear, you're looking in your, your mirror to see what's, what is now behind you. It was in front of you at some point and it's now behind you. So the point that he was making is the time is now. Don't wait for life to pass you by because before you know it, it's already gone. You know, so so I think seizing the moment. And again, one of my favorite sayings from Nike is just do it. You know, we we wait for everything. We wait for the time to be right. We wait for our kids to, to grow up. We wait for all of these things. And, you know, I, I believe that this is exactly where we're supposed to be in this moment. And there are opportunities that come our way that we miss because we're just not willing to take that, that step. And, um, you know, again, to your point earlier, that whole idea of self-awareness and um, just knowing and being able to grab hold to what your dreams are, um, I think is important. And, and again, I would recommend that if you're not, if you've got a dream and you're not sure how to take the first step, I think that's where executive coaching, quite frankly, can help because, you know, all of us want something more than what we have in this moment. And, you know, do, the question is, how badly do you want it? Um and for some of us, it's like, hey, we're relentless. We're going to go get it no matter what. And others don't even know what that first step is to take. There are people that can even help you with that. And as you start putting one foot in front of the other, you know, then you put those rearview mirrors up. Then, you you know, it, it all starts to, to come together. So I, I would say that it's a, a process that takes time. It takes focus. It takes intentionality, but it also takes courage. I mean, I think you have to be courageous to pursue your dreams. I mean, there are many things that I've attempted and tried in my life that maybe they didn't work out. But the one thing that I am not going to say in my life is that I didn't try. You know, I was talking to my mother last night and we were both talking about weight loss journey and how that's just really tough for our family and how, you know, we eat well, we, we try to exercise and all of these things. And, you know, although I've had some success recently with that, it, it is tough. Like I could be eating the same salad that the person next to me eats <laughs> and they're adding a salad plus a burger and fries. And it's like, they're, you know, a hundred pounds dripping wet. And, you know, and I'm not. So I realize that all of us have a different path in, in the, the um, blueprint for our lives is very, very different. And the goal is for me is not to be a hundred pounds dripping wet. It's just, how can I be the healthiest that I can possibly be? And my mother said, and this is where I think I got it from this whole grid and all of that. My mother said, 
I may not ever be 100 pounds soaking wet, but I'm going to die trying. That's exactly what she said. And she will be on a diet and then, you know, maybe she's off. But but again, we just have that try in us, that push, that press that I think is is necessary for not just leaders, but, but anyone to to be able to step into their purpose. Um, and, and I think, again, that there's a level of courage and it doesn't take a ton of courage because even those of us that are CEOs, we, we get scared from time to time, um, you know, and but but I think we still, though we get scared from time to time, you know, we're able to just press through. Yeah, it's the it's that moment of am I going to jump or not? And you have to most, decide. Most most um, CEOs have gotten to that point where they just they know that the fear is coming. So it's not like the fear ever goes away. It's just when it shows up to be able to make a conscious choice of yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump. I'm going to do this anyway. Yeah, you know what? And and you're jumping. I think as a CEO, you know that even though you're jumping that there's a calculated risk. So I know that I have my parachute. I know that my parachute actually does work. I don't know where I'm going to land. I could land in another county, (laughs) you know, and I'm not sure even what the landing is going to look like. I just know that I've got my equipment. I've been trained. So I, I, you know, went to parachute school, you know, and learned how to, how to jump and and all of the things that I'm supposed to, to know before I do that. And, and again, that doesn't mean that you know everything because, you know, there could be a headwind that comes that you didn't anticipate. Maybe it could start raining um, while you're, while, after you jump, you know? So you, I think what, what is unique about CEOs and, and just leaders in general is that, and for me personally, I believe that every problem has a solution. You know what I mean? Like, I truly believe that. I don't necessarily feel like I have the answer to every problem, which is why it's important to have people around you that are amazing and incredible like I do. But, you know, for me, I believe that the answer is either within me, around me, my team, or above me. And that's that's just me. That's that's what I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um well, we've got time for maybe a couple more questions and, and I'd love for you to maybe just speak from the heart, you know, to young folks out there, maybe even kids, you know, that are looking up at the world and wanting to, wanting to figure out their way in the world and maybe want to be a, a leader or maybe they don't want to be a leader. Maybe they don't think they can. Maybe they don't have that confidence yet. What would you, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say that there's a leader in all of us. It may not be that you lead an organization. Maybe you're the oldest sibling, or maybe you're the most creative sibling, um, or maybe you're, you know, the cheerleader of your track team, or, you know, you are the president of, you know, some committee at school, or, you know, or you're like the chief supporter. And, and I think what people have to understand is that everybody plays a role. And I say within my, my organization that every single person is important here, from the janitor to my highest paid provider. We all contribute to the, the patient 
being served. All of us play a role. So, so first I would say, don't think about wanting to be a CEO in the context of, you know, power and, and money and, and all of those things. First, get to know yourself, get to know the things that you're good at, get to know your personal passions. Um, because I think when we play to our passions, when we seek out opportunities that allow us to embrace our passion, I think that that's where we truly can see organic leadership happening. I mean, I didn't step into this particular job that I have today thinking I'm going to be the CEO, you know, in, in 15 years. Like that wasn't my goal. Um, my goal was to just do the best job that I could possibly do at every step in the process. And I've, I've held six jobs within Cherry Health before becoming the CEO. So that just goes to show I, you know, I was willing to, to be utilized and to allow the, the natural leadership skills that were developing in me to be used however the organization saw fit. So, you know, people say, are you ambitious? You know, I, maybe there's something in me that has ambition, but I'm not competitive from the standpoint that I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to the top. Like, I really care about the people around me. And I think part of my purpose is helping others to achieve their potential. I've been able to, to coach and mentor individuals within the organization who've also gone on to be CEOs of organizations. Um, so I, I think it's important to get to know yourself, to figure out your passions, to, and then become more of who you are, because really that is your unique, you know, gift that there's something special in you that um, I think can only manifest itself when you're really playing to your passion and your purpose. And, you know, as you're young, you may change your mind about some of the things that you're interested in over time. And guess what? That's okay. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to change your mind. But that's why I think it's important for, for us to be, you know, constantly reading and exploring. And the internet gives you the opportunity to do that, to learn more about a variety of different fields. But if you love math, for example, you're great at math you know what, maybe architecture or maybe becoming an actuary or maybe working for the FBI, you know, maybe becoming a statistics expert. So figure out what, what you're really good at and what you love and then figure out how you can kind of create a career around what you love. So that, that would be my advice to young people and to realize that if you make a mistake, if you have setbacks, it's not the end of the world. It'll be okay. You know, pick yourself up, dust yourself off and keep moving. Yeah. Just keep, keep going. As keep my, going. as keep my moving. father, father once said to me, well, he said a few times, he said, Tom, there's, there's a few ways to figure out what you want to do in life. And one of those ways is to do all the things you don't want to do first. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. Just, keep, just keep going. You mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned reading, um, which yep. is a great, I think a great place to wrap up today. What what book would you recommend or maybe books that you love that you'd recommend to folks out there? You know, there are so many great books out there. I mean, you know, 
there there are books by Covey. There are books by, um, gosh, you name it. And I I read so many books um, that it would be hard to 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 name one. Um, but I did write a I wrote a list because I wanted to make sure that um, you know that I communicated some of the books that are that are great. I think Warren. Bennis, um, On Becoming a Leader, uh, is a really great book that, that I have enjoyed. Good to Great is always, is always a great one. I think one of my favorites, though, is Primal Leadership, Unleashing the Power of Emotional Intelligence. And that book is by Daniel Coleman, uh, Richard Boyatzis, and Annie McKee. So Primal Leadership, Unleashing the Power of emotional intelligence, because I, I believe that when you are able to level up your emotional intelligence, I believe that you can achieve anything you set your mind to. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being the leader that you are, Tasha, and serving the community. And I think the 60,000 patients you serve every year and 20 plus locations and just amazing, amazing work, amazing team. I just want to Thank you for all that you do. You know, and I'm honored to, to be able to share this time with you. And again, just fortunate to be, you know, to, to be a part of such an amazing organization with 798 strong staff, you know, standing aside me and standing alongside me, um, helping me to do this work. So good to see you. Thank you, Tasha. 